Hey, welcome to the Money Morning Podcast. As promised, I've got my buddy Ryan Dins on here to talk crypto. He's going to tell me where I went wrong with those rankings. Uh, so we'll start with a bit of a macro chat and then get straight to those rankings. So Ryan, how are you doing today? Good, Lucky. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Can't complain. Uh, I'll, but have yeah, so, I'll have lockdown tomorrow. Well, that's what they say. No big deal. Um, but yeah, so I did this ranking game last week, Ryan. I sent you, sent you those rankings. Um, I sort of divided by usefulness and worthy of investment. Um, but let's just talk a bit more about the big picture at the moment. Yep. So Bitcoin's made a move. Uh, I believe it's hovering around US 37K at the moment. Yep. Um, so that that's sort of broken it out of that range. Uh, I saw some headlines saying it was because of an Amazon job listing. Uh, basically, people speculating that there'll be an Amazon coin or they'll accept cryptocurrency as uh, a form of payment on their platform. Is that really what's happening? Um, you know, could you give me a rundown on that? Yeah. So as you said, yeah, Bitcoin had a huge move over the last few days. Um, and whenever that happens, what ha- what happens is everyone Googles to say, well, what's behind this move in Bitcoin? And they'll either look for an Elon Musk comment, tweet, or they'll look for, they'll look to try and uh, attribute the price move to a specific event. And people do that in share markets as well. And sometimes that has a basis in truth in crypto, but a lot of the time it's exaggerated. So for example, that Amazon job posting had been there for a couple of days already. I'd seen it a few days ago. didn't didn't make much of a, a move. Um, the big move uh, came about on uh, Sunday, Monday, and to be honest with you, my take on it is it was it was some it was basically more to do with the charts, more to do with the technical aspects, along with some other fundamental drivers of of Bitcoin and crypto adoption, which are happening all the time, despite you know the negative news. But just from the charts alone, um, we had um, 30K, the 30K level tested about, it was the third time it was tested in, you know, in this, in this current downturn um, since it fell, you know, a month or month or two ago. And so we had this third time with 30K basically survived that test. Um, everyone said, oh, if it breaks 30K again, it's going to fall down to 20K. And it broke 30K briefly for a couple of days or a day. And then it, then it came back up. And there wasn't a huge amount of volume on, on the move up, but it sort of suggested um, that um, despite all the fear out there and despite all the negativity, that the people holding at this level were going to hold, that they weren't going to panic sell. And so then we had a few days of the price gradually moving higher, not on huge amounts of volume. Over the, over the weekend, it started to move higher. And then on, on Sunday, Monday, we had this huge spike, um, which was essentially what it was, was a short squeeze. So a short is when someone's betting on the price going down. And there was a huge amount of shorts about that $36,000 level. And what happened was a lot of these shorts are what are called naked short sellers, which means they've shorted um, and they've not got any other position to cover that. So what happens there is if you're betting on the price going down, but then the price starts moving up, then at some stage you have to buy to close that position. So that's the mechanics of it. It's sort of the, the opposite of, of a stop loss. You know, it's like a stop loss, but on the way up. Um, and so what happens, there was a huge amount of shorts at that $36,000. They didn't have any cover, so they're they called naked short sellers. 36 got breached and it kept on going up really quickly. So a bunch of buyers came in and that meant the, the short positions had to cover. So we even seen on Binance Perpetuals, which is sort of like a derivatives exchange, the price went as high as $48,000 at one stage, but 
but on the spot on the spot prices, which is the the normal prices, it, it went about forty thousand or just over forty thousand briefly, and a lot of that was that short squeeze. So that was the dynamics of the big move. But if you take a step back, the the actual big thing was that that 30k level held we seem to be breaking out of that downtrend which could be a period of sideways for bitcoin and the interesting thing was though was that there was a bunch of people started buying as soon as it looked like that downtrend was broken so in my opinion there's a lot of money sitting waiting to take a position and of course they're going to try and get it cheaper if they can but when the price started ticking up and that short squeeze came in i reckon you also had a bunch of fundamental buyers desperate to get a position as well buying in so so they were competing with the short squeeze essentially as well so uh, that's my take on what's happened i think um going forward now this um you know i don't think it'll keep on rocketing up every day but that break of the thirty six thousand dollar level was pretty important from a from a technical analysis perspective um, a bunch of my moving averages that i follow are starting to tick up one of my momentum indicators has triggered a buy um, a quant fund that I know had a buy like about 34,000. Um, I'm waiting on another momentum, momentum indicator to trigger another buy. So people will be looking, traders will be looking at the same stuff I'm looking at. So there'll be a bunch of people that missed this move looking to get a position. And it'll be interesting to see if, if that $36,000 break holds. If it does, crypto being crypto, you could see, you know, huge moves over the next couple of months, which, you know, a month ago, no one would have thought possible. But um that's crypto for you. It's like um, it's like time at warp speed compared to the stock market. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a, a big move really quickly. Um, I guess it's a bit like GameStop in some ways. You know that that sort of large uh, large short positions just getting blown out of the water very quickly. Uh, just a quick one. I don't want to get too much into this, but what's your knowledge of sort of larger crypto funds taking large short positions? And do you think this was sort of like Melvin and Citadel all over again? Like, uh, you know, is there just like a version of Melvin and Citadel in the crypto world now? Well, um, the, the, to, to give you a conspiracy theory, Lockie, because I know you love <laughs> conspiracy theories. Um, there was a theory that um, a lot of these naked short sellers were deliberately trying to suppress the price. Uh, and these were funds, like traditional funds as well, trying to get, trying to buy bitcoin so one way to do that is you use short positions so you use derivatives to, to to try and keep the price down and as long as there's no demand coming another way you can you can gradually push the price down and if you're actually buying you can use that price suppression to build a position over time and this kind of thing goes in on in the financial world in, in a number oh, yeah. of industries i mean the classic one is gold um a lot of people think the gold price doesn't reflect the reality of demand because the paper market is 350 times larger than the spot gold demand. But where Bitcoin and something like gold differ is that because Bitcoin is on chain and it's more transparent than say the gold market where no one knows what the true gold holdings are, at some point, the spot price is the source of truth. And if the spot price starts moving up, which is what happened over, over the last few days, then it doesn't matter what the derivatives markets are doing. At some point, the derivatives market has to follow the spot price. So the conspiracy theory was that there was a bunch of people trying to use derivatives to suppress the price so they could build up their Bitcoin holdings. And this short squeeze sort, sort of flushed them out a little bit and, and, and they had to cover. And if they want to buy, they're going to have to start buying quicker because, because they're a lot more susceptible to the spot price in Bitcoin. Um, so that's one conspiracy theory. I've seen some data to 
to potentially support that view happening. Um, but yeah, it is a big differentiator of, of Bitcoin in particular versus traditional assets in that because it's on chain, you know, it's very hard for these, you know, big financial firms to play around uh, with derivatives yeah. too much because the spot price, you know, can result in huge losses if they get squeezed like this. So I think, I think there's something happening there. I don't know exactly what, but it, it could be something like that. There are there are a bunch of Bitcoin ETF applications in America out there at the moment, and I think at some stage we're going to get a Bitcoin ETF, and that's going to be a huge catalyst catalyst for the Bitcoin price. And I wonder if there's some shenanigans behind the scenes where some of these firms are trying to buy in Bitcoin to sort of seed their their ETFs and make sure they've got you know exposure before approval. Um, so yeah, there's a few things happening. Yeah, wow, that's that's a lot of information to take in, and um, you're definitely a bit bit more on the ball than I am. But uh, what what I really want to do now is we'll get straight to it. So I did these rankings uh, before, and you know you'll probably tell me I'm completely off base, but I think we can all agree whether by usefulness or worthy of investment, ripples down the bottom. Yeah, so I'm looking at your rankings here, and I'll just go through them briefly. So. Uh, you've got as usefulness uh, Ethereum ahead of Bitcoin, which is interesting. And I suppose the way you're looking at that makes sense in the sense that there's a lot more projects built on the Ethereum blockchain than there is on Bitcoin. Um, you know, a lot of the innovation in decentralized finance, in uh, in-game um, blockchain assets, in uh, non-fungible tokens, which are like called NFTs, which is like art and stuff like that. All of that is being built on Ethereum right now. Where, where that Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain usefulness might change is that um, Bitcoin is moving in that direction where there are layer twos being built on top of it. It's just going at a lot slower pace. And Bitcoin maximalists will say that's because they, they want to make sure that the system stays decentralized and um, censorship resistant above all else. And that's a fair point, in my opinion. But we are at the stage where there are layer two technologies like Lightning, which enable uh, micropayments, like free and instant micropayments. There's Blockstream have a bunch of products they're building on top of um, and Then there's the of Strike Bitcoin. El Salvador relationship. Strike El Salvador stuff. So so usefulness is a hard thing to say. I'll definitely say there's more Ethereum, uh, innovation on Ethereum than Bitcoin, but that could flip because the risk with Ethereum, and this goes for any blockchain apart from Bitcoin, is is it going to, you know, Bitcoin survived since, what, 2009, is it, in the wild without being hacked or come under any sort of regulatory capture or any sort of government control? The other blockchains, I think Ethereum was first mined in 2015, they've been in the wild for a while, but they're still in that, not experimental phase, but Ethereum are in the midst of changing their consensus mechanism right now. They're moving to a proof-of-stake mechanism. And how that will play out, will it prove to be censorship-resistant and open-source and useful you, you still don't know for sure. So for all its innovation on top of it, that innovation could potentially move to Bitcoin if Bitcoin Bitcoin layers have the capability to do like decentralized finance on Bitcoin. We're definitely nowhere near that yet. And a lot of Ethereum supporters would say that's never going to happen. And that, that's fair enough. It might not. But the, the usefulness is, is sort of something that's still... You know, long term, you still can't say whether whether yeah. Bitcoin or Ethereum will be more useful. Coming to your, your your third, fourth, and fifth, so that's Tether, USD Coin, and Binance Coin. They're all essentially stable coins, aren't they? Yeah. So uh, stable coins for people that don't know are basically like dollars on the blockchain. So they're dollar representations that live on the blockchain, and um, 
yeah, USD coin, for example, they're interesting. They've got they've got some partnership with Visa. So Visa, you know, are, are looking at settling things on Ethereum using USD coin. So uh, I'll say everyone hears all this negativity about stable coins and, and things like that. But a company like Visa, I'm sure they do their due diligence and they're, they're looking at integrating stable coins into their settlement mechanisms. And that's because fundamentally, blockchains are a lot more efficient for settlement than the legacy financial system. So that's interesting. Um, you've put Tether ahead of USD coin. And I suppose from a trading perspective, Tether is um, the most widely used stable coin in terms of trading on exchanges. So it is got that use as a, a good sort of trading pair. Um, and then, then you've got a few block, different blockchains and they're what I would call layer one blockchains. So Cardano, yeah. Polkadot, Dogecoin and Ripple. Look, I think Polkadot, from what I, I still need to do a lot more research on Polkadot, even though it's been yeah. around for a while, but Polkadot looks like it's got a lot of potential. Um, they basically allow disparate blockchains to come together. In, so, so if you think about it, a blockchain that brings other blockchains together. And I know, for example, Engine Coin, who are a gaming token, I really a gaming project that I really like, they've moved for, from Ethereum for the next stage of the development to Polkadot because they said Polkadot was, was more efficient for, you know, the number of transactions they needed to make and linking in with other parts of the crypto ecosystem. So I would probably arguably put Polkadot a lot higher. Cardano, look, there's a lot of people that like Cardano. I'm not a huge fan. They, they're basically okay. like an Ethereum, um, not clone, but one of the developers that started off with yeah. Ethereum, um, Charles Hoskinson, is yeah, yeah. Cardano. And the approach they took was to... Um, Academic. Yeah, so academic peer review as opposed to free market innovation. And look, I'm not a fan of that approach in any form of, uh, in my but investing experience, you know. I almost wound up in academia myself and it's, you know, it's not a good environment for getting things done or no. doing new things. It's, it's a good environment for, for for getting grants and government yeah. assistance and all this stuff and people get tenure and they get wages. I've not, I'm not writing off academic research because ultimately a lot of good ideas do come from it but from a commercial point of view i much prefer the ethereum wild west approach despite all its flaws uh, yeah. and cardano but a lot of people say that cardano is, is a better system at the moment it's not got the traction of ethereum it's not got the projects building on top we'll see if that changes uh, dogecoin <laughs> elon musk's favorite uh, it's basically a nothing project that is a trader's delight and if you're a big elon musk fan buy a little and hold on to it and see what happens yeah. I've, I've i've never owned any dogecoin and i never will um technically yeah. speaking it's a dead project even the creator said he created well, it as a meme. <laughs> look i've got a th little theory about that on dogecoin so like it's a joke and but it, it does exist it's a real blockchain and um i think its main use case is in sort of like internet meme forums as a tip forums as a tipping system you know like yeah. you know if, if you're making jokes you may as well pay in jokes so I think that's its own only real use case, but you know. Yeah, the, the beauty of um, the beauty of cryptocurrency is things can evolve and change beyond even what the creators thought they would be. The, the thing, from a technical aspect, is that if anything of substance was built on Dogecoin, then it would could be hacked tomorrow because there's not the the hash power, there's not the um, protection to protect that blockchain. Um, so. <laughs> there's been no like code, coders on it or developers working on it. Elon Musk. Yeah. I think Elon Musk. He thinks he's a bit of a comedian, and that's fine. But he, yeah. thinks, I think he thinks it'd be really funny if he could take this meme project and turn it into a, a, 
a viable part of the financial system. And who knows? Yeah, he's done a lot in his life. Maybe maybe he can. But it's not one I would waste much, yeah. um, much yeah. time on. Speculative, you know. Yeah, speculative and fun to trade maybe and fun to own a meme coin. And like you said, maybe there yeah. is a market for meme coins. Maybe that there's something there that... Comedians get paid every day in real life, you know? Like there is money in jokes. But, yeah, so, so not something I'm into, but... The, yeah the beauty of cryptocurrencies is i'm just one opinion i don't know everything there's so much happening and there's so much changing all the time that you know with a bit of research you can easily find projects which might fit with your own um, worldview and, and own um i'll just be careful and on that note though i would say is if you ever do get into cryptocurrencies then the first thing to do is buy some bitcoin and hold it and make sure that's a decent part of whatever your overall crypto portfolio is because bitcoin is the that should always be the anchor to your the rest of your crypto portfolio. And and Ethereum, you could almost argue that as well, but definitely Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as before at the start, Ripple down the bottom there in the usefulness rankings. It's, it's a centralized project. I've never really rated it, but, uh, you know, Ripple it is one that every time like there's a bull market and I get a friend who wants to get into crypto. The first thing they say to me is, oh, Ripple's good, isn't it? Because it's got yeah. a, a semi-easy, understandable value proposition in that it makes transferring money easier. You know, it makes, it, it, it's better than the the old Swift legacy system. It makes that 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 sort of, uh, not peer-to-peer, but that, that intermediary step between sending uh, actual dollars to say Britain, for example, or whatever, it, 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 it works as that sort of transitional currency. Uh, that's as far as I know is how it's designed to work. The problem there is that um, you've got a lot of CBDCs coming out uh, yeah. their own projects and none of them are mentioned in Ripple. So it sounds, I don't know, it's been around for a while. It's had a lot of hype. It's had a high market cap. As far as I know, Ripple hasn't got that much market traction and it doesn't look like uh, any of the, the central bank projects are considering using Ripple. And if they're going to do their own blockchain systems and they're not going to use Ripple, then you wonder where the use case for Ripple comes in. But, you know, yeah. I'm sure a lot of Ripple fans will tell me. Yeah, yeah. There, and, and then there's fine. the regulatory SEC stuff lurking in the background. But, you know, that I'm not an expert on that. So, you know, it, I mean. Everything in crypto has got some regulatory thing. So yeah. I, I, I don't... Um, Fair. I don't, no, I don't fair pay too much attention. They might have done stuff wrong. They might have, you know, they might not have. But I think a lot of crypto comes under unfair criticisms yeah. from regulators that just want to regulate every single thing out of existence. Oh, yeah. Well, keep control. So I, I, I'll actually give um, benefit of the doubt to Ripple that. there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think okay. that's FUD. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll then we'll just fly through the worthy of investment rankings. Um, you know, that this isn't worthy of trading rankings. Uh, yeah. So we're thinking more long-term here. Uh, I've got Bitcoin 1, Ethereum 2, Cardano, Polkadot. You, you'll dispute that. I know number five, Binance coin. Uh, I mean, basically just chucked all the uh, the stable coins towards the end there. And Dogecoin, you know, maybe I'm, I'm wrong about that. And then, yeah, Ripple. If you told me I could only put um, some money and or into three of these and hold it for like five years, yeah. And right now, and this is not investment advice because the, the you know the, the place changes so quickly. I could change my mind on this within a few months. But right now, if you said Ryan, you can only invest in three, and you've got to hold them for five years, I would probably do Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Polkadot. And yeah, that's, um, that's what. Uh, that makes do. sense based on what you told me about Cardano before. Yeah. And that's just my opinion. I mean, does, and things can change. You know, you know, 
Binance coin, uh, talking about actual Binance coin, the coin, not the stable coin. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one, but it seems to me like a pseudo equity in Binance. And I think the problem yeah. Binance has right now is that a lot of the regulators oh, yeah. are going after them because they're a centralized entity. And and I think the projects that will survive out in the wild will be the ones that manage to maintain enough decentralization to evade any sort of regulatory capture. And I, I suspect... Binance will find that hard, especially given yeah. China's current stance and potential, you know, hardening of the rules elsewhere in the world. You yeah. know, the, the, the guy there is quite, quite a public figure. That's an yeah. easy target. Whereas yeah, yeah. Bitcoin has no central person you can go to. Ethereum, to a degree, is decentralized. More yeah. Vitalik is obviously. Yeah, what are you going to do? Lock up Vitalik. Yeah, but uh -huh. but with Binance Coin itself, you know. The blockchain itself isn't that decentralized. It's a bunch yeah. of validators, mostly run by Binance or friends of Binance. And that is, you know, that's easy for governments to start it, impinging. It had cake. a fair run. And from my understanding, Binance Coin is sort of just like a loyalty rewards program for yeah. the platform. And, you know, like there, there's value in that. And, but, you know, again, if you're watching the space quite closely with the sort of anti-competitive yeah. uh, practices uh, that they're pursuing over there, um, you know, I don't know that could change quite quickly. And of course, moving on, like you, you'd never, you would never really invest in stable coins. You're like, you may as well do four no, no. right? Look, yeah, yeah. The last point I'd make on Binance Coin is that if there was another bull run, then Binance Coin is probably a good one to trade because Binance is a very popular exchange. And if that yeah. remains the case, then Binance Coin does capture some of that value through through a burn mechanism, I think. So hmm. as a trade, Binance Coin is something to keep on your radar. But for long-term investment, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Polkadot, I think, have more substance to them. Okay. The stable coins themselves, um, you can't make money from holding them, but you can make money in the decentralized finance ecosystem through uh, yeah, basically yield. lending them out. Yield, yeah. So generate yield through lending them out. And uh, at, at the moment, and the strategy I'm doing with subscribers of my new money investor service we're getting about six percent yield on a stable coin strategy which isn't too bad say compared yeah. to the banks uh, at its peak though it was doing like 20 to 30 percent so that 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 yield varies with demand for stable coins yeah um, and demand for stable coins is a function of basically the crypto market if the crypto market's running hot a lot of traders want to get access to money fast so they can make you know leverage bets and that that pushes up the interest rate that yeah. depositors of those stable coins get it's a little bit of a complex system but essentially it's a really cool um you know it's the free market for money in a way you know it's it's borrowers yeah, yeah. and lenders meet without a central bank and the the interest rate is set according to that supply and demand and that's you know a free market for yeah. money without central bank intervention and all the problems that uh, tends to bring For like the first time ever but, uh, or at least since you know the wild west of the yeah. 1800s <laughs> america maybe. I, I guess the, i guess the point for that writing is um the actual stable coins are not investments per se until you do something with them elsewhere yeah. right correct if, yeah. if that that might be a bit easier for people to understand like yeah. you get them but you don't just hang on to it because you think the u.s dollar is going to go up and you're watching the the dollar index chart real closely that's i mean you may as well be playing in forex but if you do something with a stable coin, then it gets way more interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually. So, for example, if you're an Australian and you thought the Australian dollar was going to go down, you could potentially put some money in a stable coin because most of them are pegged or try and maintain yeah. a peg to the US dollar. So, actually, it's funny you say that because in the in the stable coin strategy I'm doing at the moment, I'm getting a yield of 
about 6% per annum right now, although it's averaged about 10.4% over the last three months. But I've actually also got about 5% um, return in appreciation because the Aussie dollar has gone down. Yeah. I've made that yield plus I've, I've made some money on the Aussie dollar going down against the US dollar. That, of course, that could reverse as well. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's, that's something to bear in mind. But, you know, you could conceivably use um, stable coins if you were looking to pay a US dollar pair with something else, with say the Aussie dollar. Um, that's yeah. a bit esoteric, but it's something. Yeah, different. yeah. It's interesting. There's a sort of Forex uh, sort of macro input to that stable coin environment. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's not really my field of expertise, but it sounds really interesting. Um, as for where the investment Dogecoin Ripple, we've gone through those, you know, I think what we've done today is given people a nice, good look at what's happening in the market, uh, what coins out there are, you know, worthy of your time and attention, the reasons why, the justifications for holding, all of that I think is real valuable. And, you know, I couldn't have done it without you, Ryan. <laughs> Glad to help, Lucky. <laughs> nah, nah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I'll probably uh, talk to you relatively soon about something completely different. Sounds good. Look forward to hearing. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Ryan, and I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Hey, that was a great chat I just had with my buddy Ryan Dince about all things crypto. I'm sure there are crypto enthusiasts out there who have their own view on how to rank these. So I'd love to see what you guys actually think. Chuck it in the comments section and have a bit of a debate. We'll see how it goes. By all means, also check out Ryan Dince's two crypto services, they're really interesting. And if you're into this part of the market, they're a great guide. As always, like, subscribe, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you.